Good morning, brothers and sisters. As I suppose you can hear, my voice is not all with me today. I've had a very severe migraine for the last couple of days, but don't worry, I'm on enough medication to get through masses today. So we'll be okay. It's not contagious. At least I don't think migraines are contagious. That's why I'm not chanting today, so I do apologize for that. So as I, I warned you last week that I would be speaking about proper dress, dress codes for church, and I'll also speak about kind of modesty in dress in general public, but this is a, an important topic. I usually preach on it at least once a year, usually around this time because it's summer and people want to dress more casually and less discomfort in the heat, which is all understandable, but we have to keep in mind the reason why there has always been a dress code in churches, always, regardless of the religion, regardless of the time or the culture, there has always been dress codes. And we shouldn't be too surprised by this because as human beings, we intuitively recognize that the way we dress, the way we present ourselves and the clothing that we wear matters culturally. It always has and always will. You know, if you got invited to a dinner with a very famous public figure, ladies, you may spend weeks, guys, at least a few days, thinking about what you're going to wear. You may have to go out and buy more clothing just to make sure you're properly attired. In fact, in many very formal events, a very fancy restaurant, the opera, they won't let you in if you're not dressed appropriately. And it's not a new thing in this day and age. It has always been like this in every culture because human beings, by God's design, recognize the importance of externals. Now, externals aren't everything. They're not the most important thing. That's the internal. That's the spiritual. That's the soul. But the externals matter. They are important. And they're important by design. God designed us. He designed human nature such that all of the external things in the world, matter itself, is supposed to be a sign of the hidden world, the spiritual world. Our bodies actually reveal the nature of our souls. We say that the soul is the form of the body. So the body, by its very design and function, expresses the mysteries of the spiritual soul. So externals matter because they are meant to reveal the hidden spiritual truths. Now, you all may remember a parable. Actually, it wasn't really a parable. A story that Jesus spoke about the kingdom of heaven. He said that the kingdom of heaven is like a great lord, a king, who throws a feast for his son who's just gotten married. It's a wedding feast. And he invites, of course, all the dignitaries, all the important people, but they all make excuses and can't come. So then he says to his servants, well, just, just go out and find anyone who will come. The poor, the weak, doesn't matter. Bring them all in. We're having a party for my son. I want as many people here as possible. So once the party has begun, a man is found there at the gathering not dressed appropriately. And the Lord says to the servants, bind his hands and his feet and throw him outside into the darkness because he's not dressed appropriately for this celebration. Now Jesus, of course, is referring to heaven 
And, of course, the heaven, as the book of Revelation teaches us, is the wedding feast of the Lamb, the Son of God. But he's telling us you have to be dressed appropriately to go to heaven. Now, it's not a physical garb. It's a spiritual one that we receive at baptism. It's that white garment, that spiritual cleansing that we receive by the gift of the Holy Spirit and the sacrifice of Christ. And if we don't keep that spiritual garment clean and spotless, then when it's our turn to go to heaven, we might get kicked out because we're not dressed appropriately. Now, that's the higher truth. That's the most important thing we have to focus on. But it's also true on a natural level. For God, the most important thing is, of course, your soul. But he realizes the importance of the externals because the externals affect everyone else around you. There's a reason why in good schools they have dress codes because psychology teaches us that the way a person is dressed affects their mindset. And students actually do better in school if there's a dress code. Studies have proved this time and time again because it puts the young men and women in the right mindset. It helps avoid unnecessary distractions and helps them focus on the reason that they're there, which is to study. For the same reason you wouldn't bring out that nice china that your great-great-grandmother had handed down, you know, to eat cereal in the morning. You just use, you know, simple plastic utensils and bowls for that kind of stuff. Because it's just too fancy, it's just too nice. It's set aside for special occasions. We do this in every aspect of our life. We do it with the way we dress. Ideally, you shouldn't wear a fancy tuxedo or an evening gown to bed because that will damage the clothing and it's just not appropriate. In like manner, you shouldn't wear pajamas and flip-flops to the opera (laughs) or to see the Pope. They probably won't let you. The word modesty actually refers to the appropriate actions, decorum, dress, in various situations. Modesty itself does not refer to sexually pure. That's an extension of modesty that's a part of it. But modesty actually simply refers to, in this case, wearing the appropriate clothing for the appropriate occasion, depending on who you are. I heard the example used once, and I, I use it a lot, that if the Queen of England were to go out in public in jeans and a t-shirt, even if it was you know, properly covering her body, she wasn't showing too much skin, it would still be immodest for her because she's the Queen of England. She represents the entire country. She can't go out dressed like a commoner. She has to represent her office. So modesty refers to that appropriate dress in appropriate situations depending on who you are. It's why the church has always had such strict rules about what the priest and the server should wear in the sanctuary. Because these external trappings, they're not spiritually necessary, but they reflect the spiritual truth that we're performing, what we're doing up here. So when I come to church, what is the goal or the purpose of my presence and and ultimately of the clothes that I choose to wear? So obviously, the purpose of Mass is to worship God. 
That's the purpose of it. That's the primary reason you are required to come to Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation. Because you have to worship the God who made you and the God who sent his son to die for you. This is the way you do it. It's not to receive communion, actually. That's not why you come to Mass. You come to Mass to worship God. If you are worthy, you may receive communion. So how we dress reflects, as you know, our view of what we're doing, whether we think it's important or not, whether we think it's sacred or not. And so I come to Mass casually dressed, then clearly, in my mind, there's a good chance I think it's of a casual event. It's not necessarily that special. Now, I don't have the ability to judge any one of you on what you wear to Mass, just as I would tell you, you can't judge one another, because you never know somebody's whole life story. You don't know where they're coming from, you don't know their personal finances or things like that. Maybe you are wearing the best you have when you come to Mass, and if you do, thank God, I'm not worried about it. But if you're not trying to wear the best you have, then on some level, you don't think our Lord deserves it. Again, it can reveal your attitude towards this holy liturgy. Doesn't always, but it can. Also, you don't want the clothes that you choose to wear to negatively impact or affect the rest of the people who are trying to pray at Mass, right? We're all supposed to be focused on the sacrifice, focused on the Lord. God is the focus. He's the focus here. So if I dress in a way that draws attention away from Christ and onto myself, then when I die and am judged, how do you think the Lord is going to feel about that? We use the word attractive a lot in regards to clothing and actions and things like that. Now, attractive isn't intrinsically wrong. You should do your best to look good when you get dressed, especially if you're going out in public. but you should never try to look attractive at something like a wedding unless you're the bride, right? I mean, if you think about it, if you dress up to go to your friend's wedding and you look more attractive than she does, you think you're going to be friends much longer? You're not the focus of that event. It would be objectively offensive to do something like that. Objectively offensive. Now, maybe you're ignorant, you didn't know. Hopefully, you learned that lesson quickly. Because that event is not about you, just like the Mass is not about you. It's not about me. It's one of the reasons why I love Ad Orientum. It's not about me. Years ago, a little old lady, I was celebrating Mass, Ad Orientum at another parish. They didn't usually have it. And after Mass, she said to me, she goes, Oh, Father, I couldn't see you at all during the liturgy because you had your back to me. And I said, don't worry, sweetheart, it's not about me. You're not supposed to be focused on me. You're supposed to be focused on the Lord. And then she said, well, I, I couldn't see the consecration either because you had your back to me. And I said, that's okay, I couldn't see it either. I don't see the bread and wine be transformed into the body and blood of Christ. Nobody does. It's invisible. That's just a side note. But what we wear at Mass, again, can negatively impact the other people around us. 
if we're dressing in an attractive manner, I'm not, you may just be objectively attractive even if you try to cover yourself up. Well, do your best to cover yourself up. You know, when I go to the prison to visit with the inmates, to bring them the sacraments, one of the things that they tell the women volunteers who come in to, to pray and to work with the inmates, and it's an all-male prison, is they, they tell them to ugly up. They say, because these men are stuck in here 24-7 for years. You, you'll just cause problems if you come in here looking attractive. They say, ugly up, ladies, when you go to the prison. It'll make everything easier. I'm not saying you ugly up when you come to Mass, okay? Not, not necessarily saying that. However, you have to consider if you, by the clothing you choose to wear, the makeup you put on, draw anyone's attention intentionally away from the Lord, that would offend the Lord, and rightly so. And it's not just the men, ladies, who may be distracted by the way that you're dressing at Mass. The ladies themselves are often distracted, right? You know, you, you come up here in a very pretty dress and sh high-heeled shoes, and the men may be tempted, you know, to, to look at you. But the other women are like, ooh, look at those shoes. I like those. Ooh, that dress would look better on me. <laughs> right? I mean, ladies, honestly, it's a problem for both women and men. Now, men have it much easier than you do. I, I completely understand that. We do. Men's fashions haven't really changed in hundreds of years, maybe even thousands. It's, it's fairly basic and straightforward for us. So it's easy to find clothes that are appropriate for men. It is much harder, especially nowadays in this culture, to do that. I was speaking just last week with a, a mother and, and teenage daughter and how they were just trying to go out and buy a pair of shorts. You know, just new pair of shorts, modest pair of shorts. They went to like six or seven different places, nothing. They were all so immodest, they couldn't buy them. And that's what the culture pushes on us. And that's just public dress. It's not even clothes you should wear to church. The world, especially our culture, has so hypersexualized human nature that if it's not sexual, it's not good. They've made that the end-all and be-all of the clothing that you wear, in the words that you say, in the way that you act. It's such a deep perversion because sexuality isn't bad, it's beautiful, it's good, right? God made it to be good in the right context. But human beings are far more than mere sexual organisms. And so in the way that I dress, in the way that I act, if I'm hypersexualizing who I am, as a man or a woman, I'm encouraging you to focus on only the externals of me, only my body. Did you know this is the number one problem in marriage? Let me explain. So I do more marriage counseling than anything else. And nine out of 10 times when I'm really trying to work with a couple and help them figure things out, I'll talk to them about how was their dating relationship, why were they attracted to one another, why did they get married. And if they were not pure and chaste before marriage, because they lived or participated in a hypersexualized way, 
They ended up marrying this person because this person was physically attractive and this person made them physically feel good. Those aren't bad things. I'm not saying you can't, you should disregard attractiveness when choosing a spouse. I'm not saying you should do that. But if that is the number one reason you're drawn to that person and you don't take the time to discern deeper issues, issues of the soul, morality, religion, politics, various views, if you don't consider those things and your primary motivation is sexuality, then you're going to marry somebody who's not a good fit for you. And suddenly, 5, 10, 20 years down the line, you see it. Now you come to me to help fix it. I say, well, it's, you know, you made the bed, now sleep in it. Now, I will help you. I'm not going to abandon you. But you're going to suffer more because you focused more on sexuality, the externals, than you did on what was truly important, the deeper issues. But the reason you did, the reason all of us are tempted to do that is because that's the pressure that the culture puts on us. They want us to dress in an impure immodest way. They want us to become overly focused on external sexuality and attractiveness when those are not the most important things. I mean, honestly, after, you know, 20, 30 years together and a couple of kids, do you think either of you are going to necessarily look that attractive anymore? It's not going to help you survive married life very long. So, let alone when you come to church dressing in a way that does not draw undue attention to yourself, is not attractive, meaning intending to uh, draw the attention of others, that's certainly not the case. You should never do that while getting dressed in the morning for Sunday Mass. But even when you're out in public, you have to consider the same options. Is this a situation in which I should dress attractively. I'm not saying immodestly. You gotta cover up the body, ladies and gentlemen. Don't show too much skin, that's all true. And it all depends on the context and the situation. If you're going to class, you should never try to dress attractively, ever. If you're on a date and you're trying to win over the potential spouse, fine, as long as it's modest, dress attractively. More power to you. That's fine. Right? We shouldn't be prudish. We're not Puritans. That's a heresy. But we need to take into consideration these important facts when we decide on our hairstyles, on makeup, on jewelry, clothing choice. They say that a lot of clothing nowadays doesn't leave much to the imagination. And that's objectively true. It's objectively true. Do you think our, our lady would ever wear skin-tight pants? I mean, think about it for a second. The problem is, if you strive to dress modestly, in public and in private, you know, in church, you're going to stand out culturally. You're going to be an oddity. But how do you think the culture would react to the Blessed Virgin Mary or our Lord if they were walking around today? Think Our Lady would wear like high heel stiletto shoes? Ah, just shiver to think that. 
Why do you choose the clothes that you choose? Why are you wearing it? You know intuitively, but you don't think about it. We all struggle with this. I mean, I've, I've had some bad spells in years past. When I was in college, so I started in a pre-theology program, which is a program of young freshman college men discerning the priesthood. I wasn't in seminary, I was just discerning it. But we, we, never, we didn't date, we had certain prayers we had to say and, and ministries we had to do. But I began to notice a lot of the time where I'd just be talking with some people, you know, a group of people, men and women, guys and girls my age, and sometimes I would say regularly it would happen, I'm not saying I was that good looking, I'm just saying, you know, where a woman, young woman would be, we'd be chatting and then she'd find out I'm in the pre-theology program and she'd be like, oh, and then she'd walk away. I was like, come on, I'm a human being too, right? Now, this was at Franciscan University and the male to female ratio is very skewed. Like when I went there, I think it was three or four girls to every guy, so you can understand that. Now it's like seven or eight girls to every guy, so the poor men there. If you want to find a, a wife, just go to Franciscan guys. You'll, you'll find a lot to choose from. Um, but I was always frustrated by this. So in one of my final years there at school, I started working out a lot, and I'd never been a big guy or buff or anything like that, but I started working out every day, like you know, six days a week, running, lifting weights, and I got pretty buff, I have to admit. Thank God I don't have any pictures. Just vanity. But I, I, was, I was, like, for my size, I was beefcake. Like, you know, the big neck and arms and everything. So one of the things I used to do was, like, on an afternoon walking from the gym, I'd walk back to my, my apartment with my shirt off. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, ladies, ha. See what you're losing now because I'm going off to seminary? Obviously, that was very immodest of me now. I recognize that, okay? Just using a story to show that I, I've, I've made my own mistakes in the past. So... But again, my intention wasn't pure. It wasn't virtuous, it was self-centered, revengeful even, and I'm sorry for that. But it's something we all have to take more seriously because the way we dress, the clothing we choose to wear, it affects the people around us. It affects the people around us. And ladies, you have a greater responsibility than the men do because men are more affected by how you dress and walk and talk than women are affected by how, how men dress and walk and talk. One of the fathers of the church said, who do you think is more guilty? The one who designed a poison to kill humans or the one who took the poison to kill themselves? He was referring to the way women dress. The way you dress can be poisonous to men. It can entice lust from them. Now, they are guilty for lusting. I'm not saying they're innocent. It's still on them. It's still on us. When we men lust, it's on us. But it would be much harder if you didn't make the poison. It's something to consider. Last night, I, I wasn't necessarily planning on this, but I did give my opinion about what I think on swimwear. I thought, that's ah, a good time to talk about it too. So this isn't church teaching. It is my opinion. 
my mother isn't here. She, she teases me sometime when I talk about stuff like this. So, um, so my, my opinion, I think, can be supported by the saints and the fathers, but still just an opinion, is that we should go back to the old style where you have separate pools and separate beaches for men and women. I'm serious. I honestly believe that. As much as I may disagree with Islam, they have some things right. But that was an ancient Christian practice, an ancient Catholic practice, for the sake of modesty and chastity. You'd have a beach for women and young children, and then you'd have another beach for men and boys. If you want to go swimming, fine. That way you don't have to be overly concerned about modesty in swimwear. Because, you know, honestly, it's kind of difficult to swim in a muumuu. You know, when it's big, but you don't know what a muumuu is. It's basically a really big vestment, just covers the whole body, you know. Yeah, it'd be modest, but, you know, you're going to drown. So, um, <laughs> it's one way to go to heaven, I don't know. Um, I died for you, Lord. Yeah. But think about it for a moment. Men, especially, I, I ask you to think about it. How often, when you've gone to the pool with your family or the beach, have you been tempted to lust because of the bathing suits of others? Even ladies, sometimes it's just less frequent with you. All it is, for the most part, is a near occasion of sin. The last time my family took a beach trip, I went on the beach for like an hour, but I just kind of sat there, like with horse blinders, looking at the water, it's too dangerous. If we follow these traditional moral norms, we are going to be somewhat ostracized or at least criticized and made fun of by the culture. But think for a moment, the reason we do it is to keep our baptismal garment pure and spotless. It's for spiritual reasons we make these sacrifices. So that when we die and are invited into the marriage feast, we'll be dressed appropriately. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.